Hello and welcome, listeners, to episode two of your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast, IRL Game Chat, where we share our most intimate memories and opinions regarding the world of video games as we know it. I am your host, Joe Finley, and joining me as always, your Yoda in all things gaming related and co-host of co-hosts, Mr. Luke Shermer. Podcast this is. Mm. <laughs> welcome, everybody. In this episode, we're going to cover the upcoming next generation of consoles and our reactions to E3. Well, let's start off with uh, personal gaming updates, shall we? Luke, when we left off last time, you were talking about struggling getting through Mass Effect. And, I was, uh, and I just, um, I can't bring myself to finish it. I've done you, so you much. You played another grinding. level, though, since we last talked. I did do level, and it was fun. It was a short one, but um, I, I, that game at this point is so archaic. I just can't bring myself to do it. And there's so much grinding in that game. Yeah. I sit down to it, and I literally feel... Like, I just want to, like, I need to get out of my seat. Like, yeah. I just can't handle being there. Well, and I completely understand, you know, we've talked about this before, that game does not stand the test of time. The downside, of course, is that you're missing out on two and three. Games that you own and have multiple freaking copies of. I have four copies of Mass Effect 2. <laughs> and you're not even playing it. Uh, so, I'm thinking at this point, if you don't want to finish it, maybe I'll just finish it for you if you want to go that route. If not, you can always do that. Uh, there's that DLC pack right. that you can buy that'll allow you to make all the decisions. I've been thinking about it. I know it sucks, it. but oh man, it does as suck, soon as I you pick up two, you will forget about one. I mean, you won't forget about it. You'll be excited that you yeah. can go further into that universe and actually appreciate it. I know. It's like Mass Effect is crazy because I want to finish it, but I can't bring myself to sit down and play it. So, But you have been playing something, haven't you? You've been playing a nice little PC game called The Swapper. Uh, yeah, The Swapper. Um, if you don't know anything about The Swapper, I'll give a really, really brief synopsis. It's a puzzle game. It has a very interesting tone to it. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's space. Yeah, a lot of space. Um, there's a lot of philosophy in it. There's a lot of kind of uh, the existence or non-existence yeah, very of existential. Uh, God. It's there's a lot of uh, questions about morality that play into it. Very fascinating game. Right. Um, and you're still not. You haven't put the whole picture together yet because you haven't finished the game. So like. That's right. And I kind of feel like when I'm at the end, I'm still not going to understand a large portion of it, and I'm going to want to go so? through and play it again. Okay. Um, that game. You have I, gotten uh, like all the the memory consoles and things that uh, tie all the storyline together. I've been collecting them. I don't yeah. know if I've gotten all of them, though, because like as you get more, mm -hmm. the list kind of becomes compiled. Right. So I think that there are some I haven't... Is it is there a way you can check to see what um, you've already I don't think obtained? so. And at this point, I've uh, the next gate I have to unlock requires 93 monogon orbs. You get orbs by completing puzzles. Although now right. I'm, I'm getting like nine orbs per puzzle, something like that. And the puzzles evolve. That's, that's the thing about it that I've, I've really been impressed with while watching you is that it's always like over time slowly adding an extra element that makes you have to suddenly rethink what you're doing again yeah it's a fascinating game and it really draws you in right um it's absolutely worth your 15 dollars right. if you're a pc gamer and uh it's great to to observe you playing that game you know like i'm seeing things from maybe a different angle and thinking things slightly differently. So it's it's interesting to see like when I'm sitting next to you and you're playing the game. Yeah, you had a similar comment when I was playing uh, Free Flow on my Nook. Yeah. And um, you were like, this is kind of cool. It's like I'm watching your brain work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But so anyway. So like Candy Crush, you know, because <laughs> you, you love that game as well. I sit there and I hit myself <laughs> playing it because it's so stupid. This game is awful. What am I doing to myself? Yeah, I'm sitting there playing it and you walk in and I just start moping. 
Like, yeah. I'm but if I didn't walk in, you were playing it for like 20 minutes. <laughs> so obviously there's something about it that drew you in. I mean. I, I, I think it's more that um, I enjoyed Bejeweled. Okay. And I enjoyed Star Jeweled, which was the Bejeweled that was uh, a custom game officially made by Blizzard that was part of StarCraft. Oh, so it was like Bejeweled mixed with StarCraft elements? Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things where they, um, uh, a dev team will take a familiar kind of mold and make something that's slightly different that they know is going to make them money. So it works. Hopefully Get they money, use that money, money to make something interesting. Get that cash. You've been playing something recently, too. It's, it's a pretty new game. I've watched you play a little bit. It looks pretty fascinating. Yeah, I... I've sunk at least eight hours straight into Dust 514. And uh, it's funny that I'm just catching on to this now because I'm borrowing my dad's PS3. That's awesome. Uh, I've been a 360 gamer for so long that I just I phase out on things that are PS3 exclusives. So all the free-to-play games like DC Universe Online, things like that, I've totally missed out on until just picking up the system. Right. And when I was wandering the PlayStation Store, I found it. And I remember hearing about it a while ago and its association with EVE. It's great. It's a lot of fun. I'll say, like, graphically, it doesn't quite stand up to Call of Duty or, or even Battlefield that I play I a lot. I that. But when you consider the universe that it sits within and the structure of the like kind of rpg building elements to it and like how you mm -hmm. build your character i've really enjoyed it and it's it's not a game that you have to sink money into i mean you know it's like it's a free-to-play model which yeah. is great because you can just jump right in you don't have to kind of you know be like oh i'm watching my game budget right you can just be like i want to try this out and see if i like it and then you kind of find your own learning curve and you adapt to the game in your own way right and that in itself i think as a gamer is lots of fun because yeah. it makes you think a little bit about how you're playing it as you're playing it. Especially when you consider it's more than just like COD and jumping in and just killing people. It's, oh, yeah. It brings way more into it. Yeah. And it's and it's all about being co-op. And I love that. Mm -hmm. But other than that, you know, I, I've been picking up anything I can find that I've already paid for on PlayStation and just trying to get the trophies because I want to carry them over to the new system. Because <laughs> uh, that means so much to me for no reason at all. But trophies are... You know, the reputation more than anything. And, yeah, uh, I liked the achievements. They were fun. I, I got a little over, I think, 30,000 points in uh, a year and a half. Um, so, yeah, achievements are a lot of fun. Word. So on to the topic on every gamer's mind right now, E3. Have you ever paid attention to E3 before this year? Like, have no, you followed the never. videos? or? No, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the first, this is the first year I've ever uh, paid attention to E3, and there's a lot of good stuff. At this point, I'm so excited for next gen that I look at my 360 and I don't even really want to play anything that's on it. Right. Well, um, we got a taste of the new engines, some teasers, some full-length trailers. Well, here's the question that I, I have for you. What feels the most next gen of what you saw from E3? Like, what really screams to you that this is the next evolution in gaming? Yeah, there's a few. There's at this point, I would say probably three or four games that would fall into that category, but I'm gonna okay. have to go with Watch Dogs. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, because that game is blending so many elements, it's like GTA on crack. <laughs> I mean, it's got parkour elements. You're right. kind of you're manipulating everything around you as you're doing whatever. I mean, you right. start the game. You know, the uh, trailers that we were shown. You start the game. You're this guy walking around. Right. And then you happen to come across this guy and you find out that he's worth a whole bunch of money. So you hack his bank account. Which I'm interested is, 
is this how the whole game is? Is it just the multiplayer functionality of the game? Right, we don't Single know. Single player. But I will say this. There's nothing that's turned me off about that game. If anything, it, the world gets bigger and more detailed and more interesting with, with each piece of news we get about that game. Yeah. Anything else in particular? Or? Well, I'm going to open up to you now. I, I want to hear what you have to say about this. Okay. Well, size and scope is a is a phrase that I use all the time, but it's something that hasn't been in the limelight in a lot of games because people care about what the graphics are. People care more about COD than Battlefield, I think mostly due to the fact that Battlefield doesn't look as good and it hasn't been able to stand up to Call of Duty side by side. And this generation is finally the generation where everything is starting to look like it's on the same level graphically. So you really have to evolve something else, something about the gameplay, something you have to have your own thing that gives you a niche that's not just you're another shooter you're another third person shooter you're another stealth action game you know right um that being said i would have to say number one is probably rise and uh while it's got kind of like that god of war vibe it's there's something about like i said the size and scope of things that uh when you see that entire battle take place that entire demo that we saw at e3 was one you know single moment that was just carrying through and it carried such a large expanse uh that felt like it was disjointed or it would have to be but when you saw how animated and how live everything was you realized that everything was actually you know everything was being rendered everything was live in that moment in that battle there was nothing that was just off in the background, just like pre-rendered sitting there. Right. And between the destruction and the actual graphical fidelity of the game, I was terribly impressed. Yeah, I mean, it says a lot about the processing power of the Xbox One. Right, right. Which, I mean, really, that's going to be the norm for every system now. Right. But yeah, that being said, uh, that and Titanfall. Titanfall is the right. other one that really is neck and neck there because while Titanfall has a name that's forgettable, and a premise that seems like it's been overdone, mechs, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of idea. Futuristic you know, warfare, and it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a first-person shooter. You know, what could it potentially do that's different? Right. But between jetpacks and wall running, um, the fluidity between changing in and out of your Titan mm-hmm. and the ability to really scale each environment no matter what you want to do, right. whether you're in the Titan or you are this one little soldier, you're never going to feel like this part was clearly designed for me to play it this way like you can do whatever you want and it feels very open and very very large uh just the the verticality of battles is going to change things tremendously yeah it looks like the gameplay really changes depending on what you're doing yep. what you're doing is going to be drastically different and yet you have a very important piece to play in that battle right and from from watching the uh, the gameplay tra- trailers that i saw it looks like you don't necessarily feel like you're handicapped in any certain way because if you're in a, a Titan, you don't feel like you're encumbered. Right. Yeah, you're in this giant thing, right. but it's, it's like it's more it like moves like fast and jumps. You. Yeah, and it, it, it can dodge bullets and it can do that crazy thing where it like grabs bullets that are being fired oh, by the man. enemies and throws them back at them. That's one of the greatest awesome. things about that game. Yeah, but it's neat because, you know, if you're... If you're in the Titan, you know, uh, the battlefield seems a little bit smaller, but now you're kind of running around entire buildings for cover as opposed to jumping up over one and then running through it. Right. The thing about it that impresses me the most is you never feel like you have a distinct advantage in one way or the other. You're vulnerable 
for different reasons, whether you're in a Titan or out of a Titan. And, you know, you have to watch for certain ways of attack. Like we saw that guy got landed on from behind and they pulled the helmet off the Titan and shot him. We've also seen right. when people have been ripped straight out of Titans by other Titans, you know, like right. it's, it's not like jumping into that makes you invincible by any means. Yeah, it not just, at all. just gives you, you play. yeah, it gives you a different role in the combat. And, and that's really, uh, it's interesting. It'll see, we'll have to see how it plays out because, uh, it, it is entirely multiplayer. It's meant to play like it's a single player experience. It's it's kind of a, a a cool concept to have a game like that, but we'll obviously have to see how it plays out because if people don't play it, a game that relies on multiplayer is not going to fly. You know, when when empty servers exist and and no one can find the server to play on that actually has people playing anymore, you know, right? Um, we'll see how much life it really has in it. But yeah, uh, rather than go through every conference individually, I figured I'd just break it down into some questions as per usual. Exciting questions. Shoot. Uh, we heard from both Shui Yoshida and Don Matrick at their respective conferences, and we finally have enough of the details to start putting the big picture together for each side. So I ask you, what console are you buying this fall? PS4. Really? PS4? Yeah. Okay. And and so, you know, being that you are an Xbox 360 gamer, you know, did, did something about the PS4 really draw you there, or was it that you were turned off by the Xbox One specifically? It's a blend of both. Okay. The reason this is the first gen where I've really paid attention to what I'm buying, but uh, what I've liked so far between uh, the Xbox and the PlayStation is that the PlayStation seems to fill a niche that I want. Okay. I, I just want to play really well done games. The Xbox One has so many features. I'm not going to use eighty percent of them. True. I don't ever watch TV. If I watch TV, it's going to be like Breaking Bad or, you know, I'll watch like a motorcycle race with Robbie or something like that. And that's about it. I don't ever watch TV. Right. So I wouldn't use all this stuff that's on the Xbox. I'm interested in playing games. And the PlayStation is designed for that. There are tons of gamers that felt that way. The reveal didn't feel aimed at them. And gamers are, are quick to make their decision on what matters to them, especially when it means a $100 extra price tag and all of the rumors and or truths about potential always online or DRM family accounts, all of the, the weird little things that have come up, mm -hmm. you know, uh, no used games, whatever. I mean, we're still getting details and getting that all fleshed out, but I mean, Sony was straight out out of the gate shooting right back, uh, answering all the questions that we wanted to hear. You know, they put right. big words across the screen plays used games <laughs> and people want to say that maybe that was taking pot shots at microsoft but really what it was doing was it was addressing the question on everyone's mind right. the second anyone questioned it on microsoft everyone assumed that the entire industry would then make that change right but now we're finding that yeah, microsoft is the only company making that change mm -hmm. thus far at least now while the developers support it obviously because it makes more money for the industry sony realizes that this is disparaging for the consumer slash gamer Right. And they care more about their audience than the money. It yeah, seems. I mean, look at PlayStation so. Network. If you sub subscribe to that, you're getting a free game every month. Right. And I mean, it's not even stuff that's bad. Like, they released, no. what, Hitman Absolution last month, I think? Yeah. It was an amazing game that, that unfortunately, was uh, very underplayed. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Xbox 360 is getting a few uh, games free over the next few months. Uh, they're, like, finally picking up on the trend. Uh, mm -hmm. The downside is... 
too little too late is what I'm thinking. Right. I mean, uh, un- unfortunately, you know, the polls show that around 81 to 83 percent of all gamers right now are saying that they're buying a PS4. Yeah. It's so it's it, it says something because we've never seen Microsoft fall in likability. You know, Microsoft has always been like the Apple of gaming. Like mm-hmm. there was they could do no wrong. Every decision they made, they they introduced live, they introduced DLC, they introduced so many things that changed the industry. Right. And yet they make this one decision and it potentially bites them in the ass tremendously. It's not to say that the Xbox One doesn't have its fair share of exclusives this year. I mean, actually, amazing ones. This year, it, it has the most exclusives that it's ever really announced or or had going for its launch lineup. Yeah, absolutely. It took a page from Sony's book um, in in the smartest way that it could. Just like we were just talking about uh, Titanfall, that's right. a major one. That's going to be, I think, PC and Xbox. As far as I know, that's all that's been announced so far. They said there would be potential for more, but as a small studio. They wanted to focus and have one product they could absolutely say was like 100% what they wanted out of it. Which I can respect. I just kind of wish I chose a different platform. (laughs) Right. So it is. What are you going to do? Well, if anything, what could Microsoft do at this point that would potentially draw you back as a consumer? If Titanfall turns out the way that I'm hoping that it does, or even better, or even if it becomes a franchise that kind of FPS, I'm not an FPS gamer, but that kind of an FPS game would definitely draw me in. I think I would probably buy one if that became an exclusive that was really big, like COD level. Okay. Well, uh, so speaking of exclusives, uh, besides Titanfall, uh, is there anything else that you'll be sad to be missing out on? Yes. uh, Project Spark. Big time. That game looks like so much fun. Well, it's not at launch. It's in the launch window. So by the end of March 2014. But Still, mm-hmm. yeah. When I first saw it, I was a little un- unimpressed, to be honest, because the way I saw it, I saw it as like, oh, well, this is a cool like game development tool, but it's not really aiming at me. Like, what do I care about something like this? But the more I look at it, it's it's a lot like Little Big Planet. You know, let's overuse the phrase on crack, uh, <laughs> because you know now it's not just about this one little level; it's a potential game that you're creating and you're building whatever characters you want, whatever landscape you want. You can virtually do anything that you imagine. And for me, I'm not going to do that. I can see the, the pleasure some people would get from designing their own world. Sure. I would rather just play someone else's awesome world. Right. You know? So, but I will say this, if that's how that goes, if project spark takes off and people really develop some awesome stuff, I, I would love to just go in there and download a random highly rated worlds and just play through their games you know it that, looks like some amazing co-op fun yeah and on top of that um the the potential for like kids picking this up and then becoming designers i think that as a creation tool like if you think of it from a child's perspective i think it's fantastic mm-hmm. i think it's one of the i think this next gen is going to be great for kids that being said, uh, I am going to personally miss Rise, like I said before. Mm-hmm. But more than anything at launch, I'm going to miss Dead Rising 3. Right. Watching Dead Rising 3 live blew my mind. It looks incredible. The hordes of zombies were well detailed and well uh, like scripted and programmed. So like they didn't move as like janky, weird zombies or anything. They, they all looked so good grotesquely human-like and zombie-like and real and yet 
in massive, massive numbers in this open world that seemingly had no HUD. We'll see how that works out in the game, if that's true or if that was just in that demo or whatever. But right. I, I love the idea of just taking on that world and just seeing it like it was. It, it looked beautiful and it was, you know, it wasn't, uh, it, there was no chopping and frame rate or anything, you know. It, it seemed to run perfectly smoothly, no matter how many of those damn Zeds you saw on screen. So. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, getting a PS4 at launch, we get Killzone Shadowfall. Right. Knack. Knack looked like fun. Yeah. Knack, another one that's going to be incredible for kids. Like that that is, I mean, not to mention And big kids like me. And big kids like us. (laughs) I don't want to grow up. (laughs) But uh, uh, yeah, and uh, Drive Club, uh, Planet Side 2, and Warframe. Both of which are free to play. I've seen a lot of Warframe. My little brother's been doing that on uh, his PC for a while. He really, really he was playing the beta, right? Yeah. He was in the beta, yeah, which got what two point five million downloads or something. Something incredible. The numbers speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like DayZ. When it broke a million people, they were like, "We should make a standalone and not be a mod because <laughs> right. a million people are playing our game." Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, I was really impressed with uh, Warframe actually. Um, you know, the, the combat looks really cool and fluid. The space ninjas, awesome. That right there, that, that says it all. But, uh, the fact that they only had three months of the dev kit and produced that on a PS4 is really impressive. And the fact that it's going to be ready at launch is even more impressive. And the fact that they're doing it, uh, free to play too. I, you know, I remember watching, um, the interview with the creative director saying that he was getting emails from people saying, are you guys okay? Like, are you going to stay open? Like, what's going on? How, how can you release this, something this detailed and amazing for free? How are you doing that? Right, right. And they're just making it work. They have a really dedicated fan base, and um, I'm hoping for really good things for, uh, for them, and I think that it's it's going to pan out pretty well. But that's that's going to be one of the games that I get at launch, and I'm definitely going to be throwing the money because I think that they deserve it. Right. And as far as the, you know, the launch window goes, <sighs> missing out on Project Spark and Titanfall is going to be tough. But yeah, it does suck. But we get Infamous Second Son, uh-huh. The Order eighteen eighty six, uh-huh. Blacklight Retribution, and The Witness. So it's not for yeah, lack of, looks kind of, of amazing exclusives. You know, their their lineup. I mean, this isn't even everything. This is just specifically the exclusives that really caught my eye during the conference. Um, and really, those are the biggest names. Those are the ones everyone's going to care about. Those are the ones everyone's going to spend their money on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Shall we talk about the other uh, big name out there? Whatever happened in Nintendo? They used to sell consoles. People, I have never used owned, to care. Actually, no, it's not true. I own a Nintendo GameCube. Of all the Nintendo systems that a person could own, I own the GameCube. Well, uh, I will say this. they uh, Nintendo didn't have a, a conference at E3. And to be honest, I think that that's probably in their best interest. I mean, if you were to put them side by side right now against the, you know, quote unquote, giants of industry that Sony and Microsoft have become, mm-hmm. it would look like a joke. Yeah. They have nothing to show. You know, uh, well, I mean, they had some announcements, but unless you're interested in We Fit You, We Party You, Wind Waker HD, Donkey Kong Country, the weird new Super Mario 3D world that has four player split screen multiplayer and Cat Mario. Or Pikmin three. Uh, those those are the only announcements for this fall. Yeah, for, I'm for, not buying it for Pikmin three. Yeah, I know, mean, I you know, I, I mean, everyone's played Wind Waker by now, right? Why did we have an entire dev team working on the HD remake? The only thing I'm interested in really is Bayonetta two. Oh yes, well that is coming in a year from now. 
So right, don't you know, hold your breath. We've got that and Smash Brothers coming next year. Absolutely, they're not going to want to stand up there next to Sony and Microsoft. Um, especially considering their system right now, if it doesn't get a price drop, it's fifty dollars less than a PS4. Right. That's insane. So why who's going to buy a Wii U at that point? At this point, I'm wondering if maybe they should just throw in the console towel. Maybe they should just be the publisher that they can be. All of the potential titles that they have, that if they released for Sony and Microsoft systems, that that would sell like hotcakes. You know, it sure. would it would sell better than it's going to sell on Wii U. They're Nintendo. I mean, they have a huge name. No one wants to buy their console, but they have a huge name. They might as well just make games and release them to everybody. Yeah. And, and I remember a year ago when everyone was saying, like, they're going to be the first ones to breach the next gen. And we were excited until we heard that it's not quite, like, a big boost or anything. In fact, it was barely catching up again from the Wii. Yeah, your smartphone has a higher resolution than the uh, freaking controller screen that they give you. Yeah, which you can only have one of those tablet screens. Everyone else has to still use the stupid nunchucks. Right. On top of that, it can't even support multi-touch. Like, this is seriously outdated tech, and I I feel bad for Nintendo at this point, you know? Um, especially considering I would play Zelda if it was on Sony. I would play Smash Brothers if it was on Sony. But it's not worth me buying a Wii U. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, take a different direction. Yeah. You know, and third-party support is slowly dying out at this point because it's like you know that there's no install base for your system. Right. So soon enough, they're not even going to have any games coming out. Um, just goes to show the reality of the situation. Yeah, right. Now, uh, Ubisoft and EA each had their own individual press conferences as well. Uh, we saw a lot of demos, and uh, we heard a lot of uh, Pearl Jam. In fact, we heard way too much of Man in the Box. Uh, and I'm a man who respects Jerry Cantrell as a musician, but uh, I'm excited about Rocksmith. I think that um, it was probably one of the more interesting things to see at E3. Um, because everything was kind of like games games like it felt like music games are kind of dead and gone you know like who's playing rock band anymore you know like but yeah jerry cantrell did have a quote that i do really appreciate he said anything that gets guitars in hands is a good thing for kids or anybody and while that sounds really stupid um they're marketing this as like the ultimate guitar training tool Mm -hmm. because you can plug any guitar into it and it will read what you're playing and help you get better at what you're playing and train you and teach you different techniques and things. Um, yeah, you're not pushing like buttons one, two, three, and four anymore. Right. You're actually hitting strings. Right. And while I am not, you know, going to care much about connect functionality, the connect functionality in this game in particular allows you to on the fly call out different things to add to the mix. Like while I'm playing guitar, I could say add background vocals, add drums or take away or solo me mute me you know things like that mm-hmm. and on the fly the system will respond and change the volumes of things and, and also the ability to uh put down the controller you know like if i'm holding a guitar i'm not going to want to be me- navigating menus with my controller you know right. that's the last thing that i want to try and be fumbling together right. um, but jerry cantrell at least he was trying to sell it we'll see i just i've heard that song about a million times so <laughs> That being said, uh, there were a lot of games, and um, there were so many that we're just going to do some little rapid fire. I'm going to say the name of the game, and then you're just going to tell me whether or not you care and why in as few words as humanly possible. So, all right, we'll just start. Splinter Cell Blacklist. Yes. Okay, why? Um, I actually wanted to play it. That says something. 
the Mighty Quest for Epic Loot. Uh, that game I immediately wanted to play. Really? I mean, all my years playing World of Warcraft was a Mighty Quest for Epic Loot. <laughs> this is true. So I'm kind of used to this already. The gameplay trailer was hilarious. Yeah. Um, it just looks like a really fun game. Rayman Legends. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I played a lot of Rayman Origins. It was definitely the hardest platformer I've ever played. It's like Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, it was like Crash Bandicoot on crack. <laughs> <laughs> How many times can we add crack to things in this podcast? It was immensely fun. I mean, I mean, it 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 made you um, time everything absolutely perfectly. Okay. Well, that being said, it's not announced for next gen. It's coming to this gen. Right. And it's coming in a few months. Right. So, will so I'm you pretty even, excited. Will you be playing it before the next gen comes around? You only have like a month or two really to play it. I don't it. know. I have a motorcycle to sell, so we're going to see if I can do that. But um, I don't know how it plays into it. At but this okay. point, I'm a little, well, I'm just a little broke right now. So I'm not right. sure if I want to drop 60 bucks on a, you know, right, right. on Rayman Legends. I don't know if it's worth $60 that much to for Rayman Legends. Too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> South Park, the stick of truth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love South Park. I don't know if I want to play another MMO. You know, the presentation with Matt and Trey last year mm. uh, was awesome. Right. And uh, while we, you know, THQ went bankrupt and the game was up in the air, mm-hmm. new publisher, same South Park is what they're trying to say. Um, it looks like a lot of episodes strung out in an open world South Park. So I don't know why it could be bad, especially with Matt and Trey's hands all over the project. Absolutely. Everything they ever do is amazing. Right. So if it's like that, yeah. I mean, I'm going to have to play it at some point. Right, right. All right. Uh, the crew. The crew looks to me like um, you're on a small, you're you're part of a small band of hooligans? friends. Yes, hooligans. You're fellow hooligans. You're all in cars. <laughs> one hooligan per car. And uh, <laughs> the object is it's kind of um, like an open world racing game where it looks to me as if you steal things. Mm-hmm. In the trailer that, that, that we saw, there were there, there was like a Ford F F one fifty and a whole bunch of supercars that were kind of with him, right? And they end up following this bank truck or something, and they smash into it and throw it off the road. After they get into, of course, it, like an inconspicuous kind of like a <laughs> desert dirt setting where you know there's no cops around, right, so they can right. roll this thing over and then get all the goodies that are inside. Um, you're part of a, a small band of uh, a multiplayer team. And you're doing things that are co-op, but at the same time, you're in a giant open world where there's other teams of multiplayer people right. that can at any point just kind of jump you right. and you know steal the stuff that you're going after. So it's really neat. It puts a real new twist on the uh, racing genre. What really excited me about that game was that the multiplayer is so fluid. It, it was literally, he was like, all right, I'm going to take this car down. Oh, it looks like I'm going to need some help. I'm going to invite these people. Bam. They were just driving right there with him, and they helped him take down this the the vehicle that you know we saw to get take down. Right, but it was it's you know it'll obviously depend on the servers, it'll depend on your internet speed, it'll depend mm-hmm. on a lot of things. But the ability to eliminate lobbies and having to invite people and accept game invites, right, get rid of all of that and just allow you to just be in that world as soon as your friend asks you to be there and you're available that's that looks very clean um it's been fun that all right so and then the obvious watchdogs Mm -hmm. um which we're gonna play the hell out of hack everything ruin everyone's life are you gonna save people or are you gonna be like the bad guy like what do you think you want to do because i see that there it's got kind of a morality to it yeah and it will play into your interactions with the world 
Yeah, it depends on the mood I'm in, I think. That was kind of how I played Mass Effect. A lot of it depends. <laughs> I'm in the mood of killing. <laughs> I was never really like, you know, I'm going to go Paragon or go Renegade. Right. I kind of just did whatever I felt was best in the situation. Which is unfortunate because in Mass Effect 1, you, the game is tailored for you to be like one or the other, really. Yeah. yeah in a lot of ways. Uh, Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. I I have no idea. I've never played an Assassin's Creed game. Okay. So I don't know. Well, I'll have you play some of it. I got some downstairs. Um, right on. Some Assassin's Creed. Uh, the trailer looked great, but the demo uh, looked terrible, in my opinion. First of all, the, the first thing that drew me out of that game was the AI. Like, it looked super crisp. It looked next-gen. And he sat down on a bench in you know there's this thing that you can do in this game where you know when you sit down somewhere you can engage randoms in conversation and it'll make you blend in so if people are looking for you right. they won't see you because you're not standing out like a sore thumb you know right um he engaged this woman in conversation and then when he got up to walk away she stayed engaged in conversation for like five seconds so like he's walking away and she's still leaning in like three feet <laughs> as if he's still there whispering in her ear right like it, it broke the experience completely for uh -huh. me because it reminded me of ai from now or before you yeah, know yeah. and then immediately following that the demo crashed <laughs> it just froze and died so uh we'll see how that one runs on the <laughs> playstation 4 all right uh then the division obviously mm -hmm. uh, are you gonna play the division excited. you you want to play the division yeah um which looks more like, uh, well, it looks more like an R online RPG at first glance, more than anything. It's it's interesting how it integrates because it's like it's an open world, but it's not. You, there's multiplayer functionality, but it's not like the world is always populated with these multiplayer people, uh, because it's all based on whoever logs in and who happens to be in the vicinity and happens to be on the server you're in. And Which is kind of cool because there's definitely not. I mean, you could feel like something could could go wrong very quickly True. with kind of no warning. Yeah. I mean, we saw, you know, in the demo, people that are using a uh, tablet can all of a sudden just kind of fly right over you in this little drone thing. Right. And, you know, whether they want to help you out or just be Provide a troll, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they can do that. Yep. So you really, I feel like, in that game, you're never going to feel safe. So it's going to be kind of an interesting experience. No, and on top of that, I hear that at the end of all the major missions, you have to send up some sort of beacon and get evac'd mm -hmm. because you're part of like an elite squad that like functions after civilization and command has gone down. Right. Um, and so you have to call in for like air reconnaissance or whatever for them to pull you out. And while you shoot that flare up, oh, anyone can come to attack you and take the stuff that you just looted. Like if you're injured, you need to go to a hospital and get blood bags. If you are out of ammunition, you need to go to a police station and like raid the gun lockers. Like the the possibilities are kind of endless in how randomly everything can come together when other people come in online into your game. Which sets up some kind of interesting scenarios because I wonder if you could just have you know, we haven't seen a lot of the game yet, so we don't know how it works. But what if you could have one guy set set the flare off, but not before the rest of his team is all sitting around that building along the edge with sniper rifles? Oh, absolutely! Just you waiting play for tactically, someone to show absolutely. up. Absolutely. Yeah. When we saw the gameplay demo, they acted like noobs. Right. Let's stand in the open and fire this flare, and then suddenly we're getting <laughs> shot at from all directions. <laughs> like now that we know that that is a part of gameplay, we, you and I, will be playing together 
tactically like that. Right. And which, by the way, I love the idea of with all the co-op that's happening in all of these games. I love the idea of playing with you. Finally, uh-huh. we've been talking about playing with <laughs> each other between Dead Island, between Tomb Raider multiplayer. Like the games go on and on and on <laughs> that we are not playing. Together. Yeah, I remember I specifically bought you Dead Island so we could play together. And then yep. We played together like three times. Maybe yeah. And then I bought you Tomb Raider so yep. we could play together, and we did that like I think once. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because I actually played some Tomb Raider multiplayer on your system. I probably played more on your system as you than I played as me on my system (laughs) after you got me the game. All right. So that's Ubisoft. EA now. We've got Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare. Garden Warfare. Garden Garden Warfare. warfare. (laughs) Uh, Plants killing zombies. Plants vs. Zombies. I like the tower defense style of Plants vs. Zombies, but this is not a tower defense. Yeah, not at all. This is a interesting looking silly cartoonish 3d fun land of plants vs zombies the zombies are the least terrifying zombies you'll ever encounter and they're actually kind of funny they're awesome and hilarious yeah, and goofy, yeah. and i love them and this world is like bright and beautiful and colorful and and fun and yeah it's another one of those games that like i said before it's gonna be great for kids imagine what these kids playing this today will then think of de- designing their own in 20 years right you know totally um, yeah it's a great evolution. Absolutely. Uh, then we got the the teaser for Star Wars Battlefront. That is the most fun teaser trailer I've ever seen. It was 30 <laughs> seconds long. Of which 15 seconds was snow. Snow. Walking on <laughs> snow. And then that iconic rebel kind of um, low-flying <laughs> ship goes and flies right by and smashes in the ground. And then that giant And you hear the iconic Yeah. And that giant foot comes smashing down, and then it says Star Wars Battlefront. Yeah. And That's like a Blizzard-like trailer. The crowd reaction was just insane. Yeah, Dude, totally. Dude, they were, they were louder about that than they were about some of the like full five-minute demos that were shown. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. That really, really sparked people's attention. And it's sad that it was such a tease, but it's exciting to think Frostbite 3 plus Star Wars, the, the possibilities, it's going to be incredible i have extremely high hopes yeah i mean i didn't I, play battlefield 3 but i feel like it's going to feel kind of like that game right it's well just, and i was gonna, gonna say you didn't play battlefront either right which uh i mean i played back on the ps2 and that game was awesome back then doesn't translate well now but this next gen version ah they're, they're killing it it's gonna be awesome hopefully yeah need for speed rivals we can just skip over that as far as i'm concerned i'm i you know it's i feel like it's the only one that of the racing games that didn't stand out to me it made me think need for speed hot pursuit but, yeah but in a next gen console which was, it was fun, like but i mean you could just play the crew so why bother right they may have set the original bar but now that everyone's got cops chasing you and everyone's got great controls now and they all run well, they all look pretty. So it's like right. what makes it stand out? It's got to have something. It's got to it's got to put itself ahead of the pack somehow. Right. I think so. Need for Speed kind of forgot that it wasn't the only game out there doing this. Right. And so now there's just people that are innovating and they're not. Right. Um, Mirror's Edge 2. Mirror's Edge I have on my shelf. I have never oh played it. Oh, my God. But I watched the trailer for Mirror's Edge 2, and it made me really want to play it. You know, if there's any game that I've completely overlooked you just having to play before Next Gen, it's that. It's Mirror's Edge. Mirror's Edge revolutionized first-person gaming because it somehow made 
use of all your limbs in a way that made you feel more physically connected with your character. You see it now in games like Battlefield, where when you're hurtling things, you see your legs kick out from underneath you. You see more movement with your pack, like pushing it over obstacles and things. And in Mirror's Edge, it was all melee combat. I mean, you could pick up a gun, but everybody wanted to do it without the gun. That that was a trophy slash achievement. And to do that meant that you were like kicking and punching, blocking, reversing. And all of these things had the camera moving the way your head would and had you jumping and spinning and being this like crazy martial artist. You were this girl like running and dodging and making all these moves. And uh, that if that teaser is any indication of of what the game is going to be. Oh, oh man, I I might just lose my shit. (laughs) Right at the bottom. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited for it. It it looks like it's going to be really good. Yeah. And I mean, the last but not least, of course, is Battlefield. But we will we will talk about that a little bit more once we uh, once we get the the other roommates back and and maybe even after that, too. All right, folks. Well, uh, that'll do it for episode two of IRL Game Chat with your hosts, Joe and Luke. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our many views on E3. Tune in next time for our spoiler-free chat about The Last of Us and an in-depth discussion on EA's E3 conference as well as their NHL franchise with our roommates Rob and Doug. That'll be a fun one. They definitely have some pretty strong opinions in that regard. And some personalities for sure. (laughs) And they're both gamers as well as real-life hockey players, so they'll have some real insight as to what decisions and what moves ea should make to really make the franchise shine again yeah turned into more of a sim instead of just a game that resembles hockey right (laughs) you can find me on twitter at mr spud winters and you can find us on facebook at facebook.com slash irl game chat thanks for listening and as always if you were listening to this podcast you're not just a listener you're also our friend our dear friend so feel free to hit us up anywhere you can find us on the interwebs we don't mention Luke's anything. So if you find Luke, congratulations. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. You get a virtual high five. Found the invisible man. And some sort of prize. That and we Slender will... Man will come and slay you in your sleep. Oh, that's terrifying. I am Slender Man. Well, we'd love to take your questions or hear comments, opinions, etc. So, uh, you know, feel free to hit us up. Yeah. That's all, yo. Thanks, guys. Peace out. See ya.
the most. I'm going to cut you off, actually, because we strayed from like the last three questions tremendously, <laughs> and we were already going for a while. Fair so, enough. Um, not, you are the host, so I give you that privilege. Uh, no one will ever know I'll that we did that. punch you in the face that. later. There, there, were, there were enough dead points that I can just like cut it anyway. Yeah, I actually uh, um, think we went way too far off. I, I realized I that I was like... listening at this point. 